0: Section fourteen of the Scrapbook Volume one Sampler by Various Edited by Frank A Muncie. This Librivox recording is in the public domain reading by Bologna Times Our National Anthem Section fourteen The story of how its author received his inspiration, where he wrote the famous poem, and how various editors have altered its phraseology. Francis Scott Key wrote only one poem that entitled him to a lasting reputation, but so firmly has that one poem gripped the patriotic consciousness of the American people that its fame is assured as long as the nation continues. Key was born in Maryland, August 9, 1780. He practiced law at Frederick, Maryland, in 1801, but he subsequently removed to Washington, where he became district attorney for the District of Columbia. When the British ascended Chesapeake Bay in 1814 and captured Washington, General Ross and Admiral Cockburn set up headquarters in Upper Marlborough, Maryland, at the home of Dr. William Beans, one of Key's friends. Later, Dr. Beans was made prisoner by the British. Interesting himself in securing the release of his friend, Key planned to exchange for him a British prisoner in the hands of the Americans president madison approved the exchange and directed john s skinner agent for the exchange of prisoners to accompany key to the british commander general ross consented to the exchange he ordered however that key and skinner be detained until after the approaching attack on baltimore they had gone from baltimore out to the british fleet in a vessel provided for them by order of president madison Now they were transferred to the British frigate Surprise, commanded by Admiral Cockburn's son, but soon afterward they were permitted to return, under guard, to their own vessel, whence they witnessed the bombardment of Fort McHenry. By the glare of guns they could see the flag flying over the fort during the night, but before morning the firing ceased, and the two men passed a period of suspense, waiting for dawn, to see whether or not the attack had failed when key discovered that the flag was still there his feelings found vent in verse on the back of a letter he jotted down in the rough the star-spangled banner on his return to baltimore key revised the poem and gave it to captain benjamin eads of the twenty-seventh baltimore regiment who had it printed taking a copy from the press eads went to the tavern next to the holiday street theatre a gathering place for actors and their congenial acquaintances Mr. Key had directed that the words be sung to the air, Anacreon in Heaven, composed in England by John Stafford Smith between seventeen seventy 1770 and seventeen seventy five. The verses were first read aloud to the assembled crowd, and then Ferdinand Durang stepped upon a chair and sang them. Key died in Baltimore, January eleventh, eighteen forty three. James Lick, bequeathed sixty thousand dollars for a monument to his memory this noble memorial the work of w w story stands in Golden Gate Park San Francisco it is 51 feet high under a double arch is a seated figure of key in bronze while above all is a bronze figure of America with an unfolded flag as key wrote it the poem varies in several lines from the versions that are sung today we reprint verbatim a copy written out by key himself for james marr gardener of the white house it may be worth while to preface it with certain explanations of his phraseology he was describing an actual situation and he appears to have addressed the lines directly to his companion mr skinner the smoke of battle explains the clouds of the fight the line the blood has washed out his foul footsteps pollution modified by later editors, was his answer to the boasts of a British officer, who declared before the bombardment that the fort would quickly be reduced. The change of on to r in the common versions of the phrase, now shines on the stream, is the result of bungling editing. Key was picturing the reflection of the flag on the water. In the author's version, here given the words that have been changed by compilers are italicized the references by numerals indicate the variations of other editions the star-spangled banner by francis scott key oh say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stripes and bright stars Through the clouds of the fight, O'er the ramparts we watched, Were so gallantly streaming. And the rocket's red glare, The bombs bursting in air, Gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say, does that star spangled banner yet wave, O'er the land of the free and the home of the brave? on that shore dimly seen through the mists of the deep where the foe's haughty host in dread silence reposes what is that which the breeze o'er the towering steep as it fitfully blows half conceals half discloses now it catches the gleam of the morning's first beam in full glory reflected now shines on the stream "'Tis the star-spangled banner, O long may it wave, O'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. And where is the foe, that so vauntingly swore, That the havoc of war and the battle's confusion, At home and a country should leave us no more, This blood has washed out, His foul footsteps pollution no refuge could save the hireling and slave from the terror of flight or the gloom of the grave and the star-spangled banner and triumph doth wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave o thus be it ever when freemen shall stand between their loved homes and the war's desolation blessed with victory and peace may the heaven-rescued land Praise the power that hath made and preserved us a nation. Then conquer we must, when our cause it is just, and this be our motto, and God is our trust, and that star-spangled banner in triumph shall wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. For Mr. Joss Marr of Washington City, from F.S. Key, Washington, June 7, 1842. End of section 14.